Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. Well, look at all these shining faces and people who have such great hearts and love of the divine and desire to make a difference in your own life and in the lives of others around you. And for me, that's what our spirituality is about. It's about finding the light within and then how do you then blaze with that? How do you not hide your light under a bushel? Never knew what a bushel was. I used to get very confused about that quote from the Bible. I had this sort of idea of a big washing basket turned upside down, someone sitting in it like this. But I think that's kind of what we do, isn't it, sometimes? We hide our light under a bushel, washing basket, whatever. And then if we do decide we're going to blaze with the life force and we know that the divine works through us, then one of the problems that can come is the way that we suddenly find ourselves and we don't know it it happens, but we go into all this bliss, we go into all this expansion, and then what happens is we come back into our normal physical expression of self. We can feel the sweetness still, and we feel motivated by what we found in our soul to be the next part of our journey, and so far so good. But then comes one of the interesting parts of the spiritual journey, which is where we run into something that we all have in common, which is our ego. And egos are such fascinating fish, you know? They really are, because they have diametrically opposed desires from the higher soul. And it's hard to know which part of self are we operating from. It's very hard to self-analyze at that level. And I once remember, this is, I hope this story will illustrate what I'm talking about. I had um, a woman in my life for a while who came to a lot of stuff we did and she, she just cleared so much stuff and she was doing really well and she was progressing. And then she decided that on guidance she was going to support an Aboriginal orphanage in the centre of Australia And I was so delighted that she just felt such passion and I could see the light coming in and really filling her with this mission, you know. And so she went and she did all this stuff for them all and uh, helped and bought a lot of stuff and raised money and really was going so well. And then at one of her fundraisers, a rather wealthy person was there and said, I'd like to raise money for this orphanage too. And this other woman said, Get your own orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) And she had succumbed to the great ego. This is my orphanage. I am raising funds for this orphanage. It's mine. And that's the way she then moved forward. And so I felt really sad for her because she didn't know what she was missing. She didn't understand the fall from grace that had just happened. And this is something that creates such complications for us as spiritual aspirants because we hear the divine, we feel the call inside of us, you know, our hearts open and we just yearn to 
bring forth whatever it is. If it's to just, when I say just, to to deal with our own stuff is a big enough job really for anyone in any incarnation, you know, just deal with your own stuff. But part of dealing with your own stuff is generating the grace to be able to do that. And I feel like serving others in some way that feels right for you is a large part of the journey here. And I'm really mindful of uh, the prayer of St. Francis in this, and it helps me a lot to see if I'm in my ego or if I'm coming from my purity because you don't know, just like this other woman didn't know. You just don't know when you've just slipped into what in Vedic terminology is called Maheshasura, Maheshasura, and that is the great ego. And it's seen as the final thing that may dissolve or may not dissolve in any given lifetime. So in my particular way of looking at the world spiritually, I don't regard my ego as my enemy. I think that's a self-defeating strategy. I regard it as something that is a vulnerable part of me that definitely needs nurturing, you know, and I need to nurture this part of me that's my ego because otherwise it gets fragile and when it gets fragile, God knows what's going to happen, what's going to come out of my mouth. And in the seminar yesterday, we were talking about how it is that there's a definite design fault fault in humanity that we don't have a rewind button on our mouth. (laughs) Don't you think that would have been better? (laughs) If you think of the things that we sometimes say in the heat of the moment and you just think, oh, God, what did I say that for? Or why did I say it like that? Does anyone relate? (laughs) Yeah. I'm pleased that I'm not the only one. I think it's a common problem for all of humanity. And so how, how do we navigate this very delicate terrain and how do we not say to some other expression of the divine that wants to help get your own ashram, get your own orphanage, you know, how do we stay out of that? So it helps me to remember that when my highest soul is guiding me, What the highest soul is interested in is basically moksha. It's interested in becoming free of all the entrapments and all the karmas that have been created through lifetime after lifetime of exotic adventures that we've all had over time. And so that's what the soul's interested in. The soul's interested in the acquiring of the most precious thing that a soul can get, and that thing is wisdom. Wisdom is the most precious thing. And so that's the drive of our high soul, moksha, wisdom. And then the ego has an entirely different set of drives. And amongst them, and there's nothing wrong with these drives. If you're going to come to earth, you need a bit of this. But it is to be safe, to be in control, to territorially protect what's yours, It's my orphanage, that sort of thing. And so these are the drivers. I want to be the alpha, and that's half the population's egos. I want to be the alpha, and the other half of the population saying, you be the alpha, let me just disappear and not be present and give my power away every single time because I want to feel safe by not having any responsibility. You take it. So either of those are still our egos driving. And so one of the hardest lessons for me about the ego has been that it doesn't just show up in arrogance. 
and ownership. But it shows up whenever I feel I'm not good enough. Whenever I feel inferior and not good enough and not worthy, I've fallen out of the grace of my high soul and I'm in my ego. And I think that that's a really significant thing for us to contemplate. Every time that we step out of love of self and respect for self and knowing that self is doing self's best in pretty difficult circumstances, then what we do is we go into this place that's just as outside of humility as arrogance is. So when we're in a state of humility, then I don't think it's the same as poor self-esteem. I think it's a totally different kettle of fish. And the humble don't have to prove themselves. They don't have to run away either. They can say what needs to be said and they do it with as much love as they can. And that that's what we're striving for. And then if our spirituality strays too far from humility, we get in a big problem. And it's going to, let's face it, because we're humans. So we're going to be like an airplane going from Los Angeles to Sydney. And an airplane going anywhere in the world is off track more often than it's on track. And it gets corrected all the time. It's just the autopilots bring it back to where it should be. And I think we're like that spiritually as well. And I think we're always off, you know, we're going off track and bringing ourselves back on track, off track, back on track, off track, back on track. Who relates to what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's in being able to catch yourself as you're getting off track that the, the juicy bit happens. And so if we can change our basic way of being with our own energy away from, oh, God, I just mucked that up, I'm such a loser, you know, I'm just like, you know, that, that internal dialogue is extremely damaging and um, we wouldn't do it to a two-year-old, you know, we wouldn't, if it, you know, when a two-year-old spills muck all over the floor, well, in a perfect world, we don't have a tanty. <laughs> and, <laughs> we just kind to the child. We say, oh, that's a shame. Let's um, see, you know, let's clean it up. It's all right. Don't make a big fuss. It's okay. Let's get on with it. And then we appreciate the child when they don't spill something. You know, we say, gee, you did well then. Look at that. You just, you put that cup properly on the table. Good job, you know, and um, help them feel like they've just achieved something. But do we do that with ourselves? And when we don't, what will happen is the external world, which actually is just our mirror, is going to start being very critical of us. So we'll find that in our relationships and particularly our closest relationships, suddenly, oh, there's going to be a lot of criticism, a lot of judgment, maybe disrespect coming from people who you just don't want to get that from. The very people that's going to hurt you the most, getting it from them, dish it out to you. And so then in ego land, we say, or oh, something to that effect. <laughs> That's an international language, don't you think? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the grace comes when we can observe and we go, whoa, look at that, and then go, what in me just pulled that out of that person? Because I actually know that person does care about me, so what pulled that out just then? And then we have a look at that internally. And for me, it's really helpful to go, is Maheshasura driving my consciousness right now? 
because when Maheshasur is driving, I have to be loved. I have to be respected. It's all about me. Do what I want you to. I'm going to drive this show. You're going to, I'm going to have the last word. Basically, I, I'm right and you're wrong. This is the way Maheshasura is. <laughs> and so instead of um, getting depressed about that, because that's inside every single person until we leave the earth, that's going to be there. So instead of that, what we do is we go, oh, I can hear you. Hello, I can hear you. But you're not me. That's not me. That's not the truth of me. Because I'm this eternal immortal soul and you're going to be dead at the end of this incarnation uh, because the personality doesn't come with us. So, you know, I don't want to play this game anymore. Thanks. I'm learning. And the repetition that is necessary for this simple action of catching your Maheshasura and transmuting that little bit of dark into a golden light means you've got to bring your light in. So it means you've got to bring in the light from wherever you think it comes in from. Above is great or out of your heart, whichever, whichever works, they're both good. Then we transmute that. And it's not about being perfect people and having the white light come in from above and we're light workers and we're really goody two-shoesy people, you know, problems them, the problems politics, the problems politicians, the problems legislators, the problems husbands, the problems whatever. But to own our part in how we're constructing that from what Mahishasur is doing to keep us in separateness. So the ego wants separateness, control, domination, food and sex, you know, that sort of stuff. And all of that, we need a bit of that to stay on earth in a healthy way. You have to have some control, don't you? You can't be out of control. But control taken to extreme becomes a very negative force that's not a force for good. And where do you draw the line? I find often that we can't tell in our own uniqueness, in our own individuality, and it's when we're in group, when we're in community, that we're actually going to get the most accurate and honest vibe about how we're tracking. And so that's why wherever I go, I encourage people to be part of the richness of a spiritual community that feels good to your heart, and it's the love I feel that is necessary for us to get past Maheshasura. It's only love that will transform it. And a community that's got love in it is the most priceless and most amazing thing that exists for us whilst we're on earth. In the Buddhist tradition, the three sacred jewels, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, that's the whole tradition is based on Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. So Buddha is your teacher, Dharma is the teachings, and Sangha is the community. And in that whole faith, which I just love Buddhism, they say you're not going to get enlightened without those three things being present in your life. So what kind of community you find, what kind of teacher you find, is actually a matter of your karma. There is nothing else. It's not that teacher's a charlatan, not I got taken in by this ratbag person who proclaimed himself as the new messiah, you know. It's not their fault, actually. What was it in us? that called that person into our life? Why did we need the experience of that? In what way has that soul served your soul? And that's a much better question 
then why did that person exist? Because you've pulled that person into your life for a reason and there'll be something that you can learn from it. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy.